coming to you live here from the IEC. Now, you, of course, have been here the whole day. I know you've left. Uh, thank you so much for making time to come onto the program. Uh, firstly, does the smaller parties actually have a case against the IEC, uh, given the fact that uh, all parties have the right to have party agents uh, throughout the country, and some of them, of course, are just not big enough uh, to have people at 22,000 voting stations? Well, that's part of the problem, Karima, and thanks for having me again. Um, look, you know, let's just separate the issues that the, let's call them for want of a better word, the smaller parties are complaining about. Now, there's one part of their complaint which I have some degree of sympathy for, and that is this idea or this complaint that the media landscape is not favorable to them and they don't get any coverage. But, you know, that's not the fault of the IEC. But mm. I can grant them that complaint. The second complaint I can grant them, and which I have sympathy for, is that the public funding formula, which which gives public money to political parties, does so on the basis of the Represented Political Parties Act, and it does so in direct proportion to your support, right? So mm. clearly we know the smaller parties are disadvantaged because, because they get a smaller share of the money. And new entrants are completely disadvantaged because they get absolutely nothing. Now, I have some sympathy for that view, but guess what? It's not the IEC's problem. The IEC does not make the law. Mm. You want to change the Represented Political Parties Act? Go to Parliament. Go to your colleagues who are politicians. Get them to change the law. And lobby so, society, I suppose. Yeah, and lobby society. You know, I mean, we're talking about, for example, the Socialist Revolutionary Working, uh, uh, working Class Party was here earlier making this big issue. I mean, they have NUMSA. Uh, they have members of SAFTU, uh, and of course they are also a political party. They have a massive constituency. Um, they could have, for example, used that constituency as some kind of leverage uh, with other trade unions to push uh, that a workers' party uh, gets funding. Sure, but I mean, look, it's still, you know, whether good or bad, good or ill, that's what they ought to do, irrespective of whether we in society sympathize with them or not. They must go to the right place. It's not the IEC's problem. Now, where, they, where there are other issues, their complaints can be completely dismissed, I'm afraid. Yes. So they don't actually have a leg to stand on. Mm. As you rightly point out, if they don't have party agents in, in voting stations, well, it's not the IEC's fault. It's not anyone else's fault. You know, this is the thing I, I wanted to talk to you about, Ibrahim. Um, we've heard that 20 people have been arrested in KwaZulu-Natal uh, for trying to double vote. I spoke with James South of the DA earlier, and they, of course, went through the process to show that double voting is possible, uh, but their party agents did nothing to stop it. In KwaZulu-Natal, when the IC got wind of the matter, they actually tracked the people, they were able to check the IDs, and they triangulated the information, and they arrested the people. So what is the DA on about? Did it want to show the IEC up as weak uh, or, or that there's a loophole or did they actually want to find the culprits? And I mean, the party agents, again, are, of course, the people that need uh, to be on the spot there in the voting stations doing the work. Well, exactly. The party agents ought to have uh, brought up this matter soon after the count or before the count started or even at the end of the count. But, you know, the noise started late this afternoon. Now, I think there's a political reason uh, for this. 
I think as 60% of the count has come in, it becomes increasingly clear what the trajectory is, and many of those parties are either in stasis, so they're not growing, or they're growing so modestly and so incrementally that it is underwhelming to their support base and they need to find some kind of excuse. So it's the in inverted commas, the we was robbed type of situation. Now, so, the fact that the uh, IEC is prepared to do a sample to test whether, uh, you know, this happened on a larger scale is further evidence, in my view, that the IEC is transparent about the matter and, and has very little to hide. Um, it's going to hire auditors to do it. It will inform us uh, shortly uh, of the process. I mean, there's been this hysterical reporting that the elections are somehow illegitimate and not credible. I mean, there's little Literally five objections, but there's 22,000 voting booths uh, and counting stations. I mean, uh, your take on this idea that the credibility of the election is at risk? No, it's complete nonsense in terms of in terms of what the what the overall scale of the operation was and what the material outcome of the result is going to be. So, even if there have been voters double dipping, you see, and we need to all become slightly calmer slightly more rational, and can people just sit down for a moment and just think? So let's just go clearly through the process step by step so that people can see that it's not always possible to just go and vote. And if you Mm. do, if you double dip into voting, there's an ethical question. Of course, the electoral administrator must close all the loopholes which exist. But Karima, tell me, why would you as an individual voter want to go and vote twice. Are you telling me that people are so invested in this process Mm. that they want to support their parties so badly that they prepare to go and crook the system? So the obvious answer to that would be no. But that would lead you to what? It would lead you to the conclusion that the parties must be motivating people to go and do this. Now, if you're a party, why would you want to do this? To Mm. To show up the loopholes in the system. Okay, you showed up the loopholes in the system. But any system is reliant on the credibility and the ethics of the participants involved. There is no... Including the party agents of all the parties that are present in the voting booth. Precisely. But the broader point to make here is that there is no governance system. There is no regulatory system which can close every single loophole. There's a point at which the ethics must begin to matter. And clearly, for our parties, they matter absolutely nary a whit. They simply don't care. They can show up loopholes in the system, they're going to do so. Now, I'm even prepared to concede that it's fine if parties do so. But when you do so in such a patently, transparently odious manner, Mm. and, and I'm calling it odious for a specific reason, it can only be for one reason, and that is to excuse away your performance. There is yes. no other reason why you would want to do this. Now, I, personally, I think the IEC has made a mistake here. You are right to say that they are transparent. It's showing a degree of commitment to the process yes. and trying to find a consultative solution. But I think the IEC should have stuck to their guns and said, listen, you want the audit, we'll do it. But we can tell you that this won't materially affect the outcome because the number of people who are going to uh, have double dipped into the voting system or triple dipped into the voting system, uh, we simply don't know, number one. Number two, okay. we're never going to know what if, so even if whichever party makes this complaint, right, 
what if the people who were double dipping into the system were actually voting for your party? That's precisely the question I asked for James South. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. Uh, thank you so much for political analyst Ibrahim Fakir joining us here on uh, the Karima Brown Show, coming to you live from the IEC Results Center in Tswane. It's just gone 15 minutes after 9 o'clock. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I speak to the head of the ANC's election campaign, Figilem Balula.